0: This is the Under the Sun Podcast. Your home for news, analysis, and interviews from around Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. Now, here's your host, Jake Griffith.
1: You're locked into the Under the Sun Podcast, where we cover everything under the sun as it relates to Sunbelt men's and women's basketball. I'm your host, Jake Griffith. Thanks for tuning in to this pilot episode Got a really fun show for you today, and really excited about the prospects of this podcast. Haven't really done anything like this before, so, pretty much the layout going forward is going to be, you're going to hear from head coaches and players and alumni around the league, as well as experts uh, regarding college basketball, both on the men's and women's side. And I think that's what makes the show so fun. As far as today's episode goes, we have a great one on deck for you. We'll talk to Brian Ralph, a college basketball writer. We'll also hear from Southern Miss men's basketball head coach, Jay Ladner, and we'll catch up toward the end of the show with. Georgia Southern women's basketball head coach, Anita Howard. I want to start, though, on the men's side of things in the Sun Belt, because it has been a really strong start for the SBC as non-conference play has come to a close. Already three teams in double-digit wins, and you have James Madison at 9-4, and four who just on the cusp of that. Kenpom.com actually rates the Sun Belt as the 14th best conference out of 32 conferences in Division I. I think that's really impressive to take a look at how far the Sun Belt has come in men's basketball. You look at realignment that just took place. They added Old Dominion, James Madison, Marshall, and Southern Miss. And a lot of people on the outside said, well, those are football-only moves. And, of course, football played a large factor into it. But I think you're seeing how the dividends, I should say, that those moves are paying in men's basketball. Southern Miss 11-2, and two, Marshall 11-2 and two as well. We mentioned James Madison's record. Played Virginia and North Carolina pretty close as well. Could have beat both of those teams. And you have Old Dominion at 8-4 and four that has really shown some growth under head coach Jeff Jones this season. This is a Sun Belt that... For a large portion of its existence, a lot of people maybe have been down on it about the basketball prospects on the men's and women's side. But you look at it, three teams right now inside the net top 60, if you extend that out to Louisiana, it's four teams ranked net ranked 102 or higher for the Sun Belt. Definitely market improvement shown across the league in men's basketball. And this topic, something that's very near and dear to my heart, is something that we will pick the brain of our next guest about Brian, Ralph joins the pod now. He's the senior national writer for uh, Heat Check College Basketball. He's also the writer of the Ralph Report. And Brian, thanks for taking the time to come on and talk some Sunbelt basketball.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
1: We'll go ahead and dive right in because it's been a really unique, I think, non-conference slate for a couple Sunbelt basketball teams. Mm -hmm. four Sunbelt teams clock in in the top 100 of the most recent NCAA net rankings. I'm curious, I've seen you tweet a couple times, you know, maybe jokingly hashtag two bid Sunbelt, but what has impressed you the most about the Sunbelt as a whole during this non-conference league?
0: Well, I I covered the Sunbelt for the Almanac, which was a preseason preview magazine. And it really stuck out to me the number of quality teams there are at the top of the league. Uh, now some of the teams that we projected to be there, uh, May not be there anymore, uh, but you, you go up and down, let's say, the top half of the league. James Madison has been very good, picked up some big non-conference wins. We're close against both Virginia and North Carolina as well. Marshall's been a big surprise. Um, Troy, I think doing what, what they've done so far has certainly been good. Uh, App State has some power conference wins as well. You go down the, the top half of the league, and there are Good teams, legitimately good teams, and, and they've proven it at times throughout the the course of the non conference so far.
1: You talk about James Madison because I think they're they're a really interesting team. You know, they're they're obviously first year in the Sun Belt along with Southern Miss, Marshall, and Old Dominion. But really, the James Madison athletic department as a whole has kind of come on strong and stormed onto the scene. But this Duke's mm-hmm. team right now, nine and three. Do you think they have what it takes to make a deep postseason run in the Sun Belt tournament?
0: I do. I think they're probably the most dangerous team from the Sun Belt potentially making the NCA tournament. You got a lot of teams that are, that are really good, but what they do offensively and how multidimensional they are gives teams a lot of problems. I, I think they they might still be the highest scoring team in the country. I know they were before they played Virginia, and Virginia will you know dampen <laughs> dampen those numbers. Right. Um, but we saw also saw them at Virginia game was not an up-and-down game. The game they played against North Carolina, Chapel Hill, was not an up-and-down game, and they were still in those games. So this is a team that probably wants to score somewhere between 90 and 100 to beat you. That's where they play their top 20 in the country in, in tempo. But they can play a slower game and have enough explosiveness and defensive effort to hang in those games as well. And, and to me, that makes them a really dangerous mid-major when you're looking to not only the Sun Belt tournament, but then potentially the NCAA tournament as well.
1: That Virginia game, you're talking about a five-point loss on the road. They really kept it close in that one, had a chance to watch it. Really looked impressive. Uh, Switching gears out to the West, Louisiana a season ago, we saw them appear in the Sunbelt title game. They're the highest ever seed as a number 8 seed to appear in the Sunbelt championship game. Jordan Brown right now second in the conference in scoring, just a junior. How far do you think Jordan Brown can take this raging Cajun team? He
0: can take them to the NCAA tournament and take him potentially into the second round. Louisiana's issue last season was not a lack of talent. It was a lack of health. Uh, They were hurt early on in the season, played a lot of guys. Um, Coaching staff, uh, I've talked to, the offseason probably thinks they played too many and tightened it down a little bit. They still have a pretty deep, deep lineup, but they're getting their best guys on the court more. and We've seen that kind of come to fruition for them. Big game against Texas. Uh, I think we'll we'll learn a lot about their chances against the the top end of the conference here coming up, but um, they're they're a really good team, talented team, team that so far at least has delivered on those preseason expectations.
1: Two teams that I think a lot of people have paid attention to early on are Marshall and Southern Miss, the Thundering Herd. Yes. 11 and 2 right now. Southern miss 11 and 1. Just a narrow loss from being undefeated in non con thanks to Northwestern State. You look at a season ago for both of these teams 7 and 26 for Jay Ladner's Golden Eagles, Marshall 12 and 21. These are two programs with very storied basketball histories. We'll start with Marshall. What do you think has been the biggest key to their turnaround to start this year? I
0: mean, Tavion Kinsey's pretty good. You know he that, is. He is. That, that certainly helps things. Uh, but I also think they've gotten back to more of their identity, which is you know, very simply: play as fast as possible, shoot a lot of threes, focus on the offensive end. Um, having better guard play has helped them this year. It's been at a high level than it was last year. Uh, but anytime you have a guy like Kinsey on your roster playing at a high level, that's that's going to help you. Uh, I talked to to Dan D'Antoni in the offseason. And he said they they spent too much time on defense last year, and it hurt them offensively, and as a result kind of made his system not as effective. They, they've gotten back to the fundamentals of his system, again, playing fast, shooting a lot of threes, uh, and I, I think that's paid off for him so far.
1: Marshall, the 18th highest scoring offense in the country as of this taping. Talking about Southern Miss, they're doing it with defense. They have the 18th highest scoring defense, or the 18th best scoring defense, I should say. I had mm-hmm. a chance to talk to Jay Ladner. He'll be a part of this first pilot episode of the Under the Sun podcast. And And he said when he talked to me that it's really about the buy-in for this team. 11-1, when you watch the Golden Eagles play, just how bought in do they look? Uh,
0: they're extremely bought in. And, you know, this is a team that's got a good number of transfers on it and an older team, an experienced team. You go up and down the roster, you have to really look and squint your eyes for an underclassman on this team. Like they're, they're experienced and they understand that their you know, college, college eligibility is running out. They got a little bit of time left. So I think he's done a great job of using that to get his players to rally around. Of, OK, you know, this is it. We We need to buy in. We need to play at a high level, do the things we need to do. Um, And they're doing that. They do the little things really, really well, which comes from that buy in and and attention to detail and focus, which you would expect from an experienced team. You don't always get that. um, But Southern Miss has certainly gotten that so far.
1: Sunbelt really looking good heading into the start of conference play. You touched on App State. They had that win against Louisville. There was that stretch where the Sunbelt had road wins uh, against teams like a Louisville, like a Florida State, all kind of within a one-week span. And, and sure, those teams are on the downside this year. We've seen the troubles that uh, you know Louisville and Florida State have had, but how – I guess what do you think that says about the state of Sunbelt basketball that regardless of the opponent's record, you're having Sunbelt teams now go on the road to power conferences and win games?
0: Yeah, you brought up App State. They were a buzzer beat away from beating Wake Forest on the road as well. A lot of those teams have those kind of wins, or we've talked about a couple of teams now, really close losses that could have been wins at power conference teams. I think that, that goes to what we touched on a little bit earlier. In terms of the upside and the overall talent that's on a lot of these teams, it's there. Where the conference and some of those teams, I'll talk about. I've said I'll, I'll bring them up. They have those great games. They're also seven and five because they've put up some some puzzling performances as well. Um, coming off a loss to you know to UC Santa Barbara um, hurts things a little bit, right? So they lost to to Charlotte as well, I believe. There's some of those games where it's like. If they could maintain a certain level of play, I think we're talking about the Sun Belt as being one of the premier traditional one-bid leagues in the country. And it still is. It still is. But we need to see more consistent play, a lot of those teams. And I think that's the next step for the conference, because as we've seen in some of those power conference games, the talent is there for them to compete at the high level. It's just taking the next step of doing that consistently.
1: We talked a minute ago about Louisiana being an eight seed appearing in the conference title game last year. I'm going to put you on the hot seat a little bit here. Is there one team that you look at in the Sun Belt outside of maybe those sexy picks of a Marshall or a JMU or a a, a Louisiana even? Is there one team sort of outside that group that you could say they may be kind of up and down through the regular season, but once tournament time comes around, you don't want to play them in the postseason. Yeah,
0: I think I said upstate lost Barbara. that's the next game. They play. I was looking. I was looking, <laughs> looking at ahead a little bit. Yeah, you know, I was looking at the wrong thing there. Um, App is certainly one. Defensively, they're a good team. The offense is coming gone. Georgia State's the same kind of way, where Georgia State has some of the high level talent guys who transferred down. Um, Swan Odom, certainly primary. there. their offense has been really bad though so far, and that's something that can happen. We have some newcomers, some new backcourt. You're breaking in a new system, Jonas Hayes new coach. If they can get things turned around, I think they're a really dangerous team. Uh, you know, they were a team that preseason that was supposed to be at the top has fallen back a little bit talents there. Uh, so those are the two teams we're looking at where if they can just figure it out offensively and get a little bit more consistent, I think we could see them make some big runs come into in the season.
1: And then before I let you get out of here, I'm curious. I, I love talking about this because earlier uh, this season, back in November, the Sun Belt announced a, a joint Sun Belt MAC challenge uh, starting next year. That was one thing, uh, you know, having talked to people at Old Dominion coaches, at Old Dominion coaches at Southern Miss, coaches at Marshall. That was one thing that they that they missed out on in Conference USA was CUSA didn't have a, another conference to sort of do like what we see the you know the Big Ten you know. Yeah. you know things like that. How how important do you think that is to the long term development of the Sun Belt as a basketball brand? To early on and now a a new look league, get a mm-hmm. challenge going like that.
0: I think it's important, particularly for the teams at the top of the league. If you want to get into a position where you are going to get multiple bids at some point down the line, you need to have strong non conference play. And if you want to get to a point where your conference champion is in the mix for a twelve or a thirteen seed. So it's a 14, 15 seed and put yourself in position to earn another one of those NCAA tournament uh, television units, get some more of that money coming into your conference. Uh, you need to play some of those games. The MAC traditionally has three or four teams that are, are among the better mid-major teams in the country. The past couple of years, Ohio's been in that mix, Buffalo's been in that mix, Toledo's been in that mix. You, know, you throw some of Sun Belt's best teams against those, that's suddenly a, a really, really intriguing game and a potential quad one opportunity, right? Which a lot of these teams are having to go play power conferences to get, if you're playing a MAC team, that's a much more winnable quad one opportunity to really help your resume. Uh, it's big from a credibility standpoint. It's big from a relevancy standpoint, certainly as well. Um, it's also just good for us basketball fans get to watch more of those major teams play each other. So so I'm a fan of it, but it, it's only good things for the thumb belt.
1: Marshall fans jokingly said on Twitter they got an early taste of it because Marshall played four Mac schools this year. Marshall, I guess you can call them de facto Mac champions. They went 4-0 and against the Mid-American Conference. But, Brian, thank you so much for your time. I'll let you go ahead and get on out of here. You can follow Brian at B-R-A-U-F-33 on Twitter. He is one of the premier college basketball writers in America. Perhaps no team on the men's basketball side of the Sun Belt has been more impressive through non conference play than Southern Miss. This was a seven win team a season ago. Golden Eagles under head coach Jay Ladner hit the portal so. Super hard. Nine transfers, including five that bring Division I experience. They added Austin Crowley from Ole Miss, uh, Neftali Alvarez from Mercer, Kobe Montgomery, uh, Juco transfer, Victor Hart from FIU also added a Green Bay transfer, and Felipe Haas from Mercer. Haas, 23 23- .5 points per game over his last two games coming into the start of conference play. The Golden Eagles will open conference play on Thursday at 7 p.m. against the Troy Trojans at Reed Green Coliseum. And we are pleased to be joined by the Golden Eagles head coach, Jay Ladner. Coach! Coach! Thanks for jumping on the podcast with me. Uh, Talk Southern Miss men's basketball. It's obviously been a great start for your team um, off to an eight and one start. What was it about the way this roster was constructed, maybe the way they approached it in the off season that you kind of knew, Hey, we might have something special here with this team.
2: Well, I I will say this. uh, We had a rough year Kyle last year. We really did. I mean, we, we, we got it. We get. We, we had and have our backs to the wall. And what I mean by that is, we actually got off to a really good start last season. And um, in the sixth game, we're actually the seventh game. We we lost our our point guard, and um, uh, he 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 would. But he was also not only was our our our, our point guard, he is our best player. Uh, he was really our glue guy. Kind of kept our our team together. And and afterward. We just never could – we never could recover. And as the season went on, I felt our team kind of splintered a little bit and some factions, and I just couldn't get them – I couldn't – I mean, I'll be the first to admit, I just couldn't get us back on the same page. Well, we had a very active transfer portal, as you do sometimes when you have a season like that. And uh, But one of the things that – after the dust had settled, one of the things that we wanted to do was I wanted to get older – uh, I, I thought with the transfer portal, uh, it was very critical to get older. We were able to do that, uh, and I'm, these were in no particular priority. These were just all the things that we were looking for. Of, so, of course, we needed to get bigger. We wanted to get better, uh, and we just want we wanted to increase our depth. And I felt like just by the by the grace of God, if there's no other ba- way to put it, that. We were able to kind of accomplish all those things, but you never, even with that being done, you never really know what's going to happen. You know, because now you got you got a kind of a mix of return. Basically, half of our team returning, of our roster returning. You have basically a half coming, uh, new players coming in. So now your next worry is the next logical worry is, you know, how are we going to get all these guys to be able to work together? And I wish I could tell you that I had like a magic wand or. <laughs> This 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 program that nobody else had heard of, and we did this this and this, but that's not the case. Literally from day one, just the the only thing I can say that we did uh, besides those things was we wanted to get good guys. We wanted to get guys that were about team. We wanted to get guys that were about winning, and and guys that we wanted to be around on a daily basis. And that's the only the only thing that we did. And so. But what's it's been? It's been one of the most enjoyable uh, off seasons and seasons that I've ever had as a coach. And um, from day one, from day one, I felt like that. I said, you know, I that they've, they've been so enjoyable to work with. Bear, uh, I, I don't know if one time I'm trying to even one time maybe semi during the middle of the summer, have I ever had to raise my voice about effort, about attitude, about you know, doing things the right way, and uh, they truly, uh, by by sheer chance, and again because we've got just good guys, they truly love each other on and off the floor. They they enjoy being around each other, and that is translated to our to on the floor success. And um, if you'd have told me last year with the the schedule that we played, we'd have been eight and one at this point. I I'd have never believed it. I'd have never believed it. But uh, but I've been real proud, and it's been a lot of fun so far. Of course, we got a long way to go. Um, but it, it we I, I, I'm very pleased, and I have to give my assistant coaches credit too. They're the ones that help bring these guys in, and um, uh, you know, without without them, of course, we wouldn't have had the, the, the group of guys that we have. So I have to give our assistant coaches credit.
1: You talked about the transfer portal a minute ago. Obviously, you know rebuilding this roster in the portal and i know so many coaches have so many thoughts on the transfer portal i'm curious coach what are your opinions on the portal it's obviously revolutionized not just college basketball but college athletics as a whole from one season to another you can have a completely different looking roster
2: yep well as a basketball junkie like you are kyle (laughs) um someone that grew up the son of a of a high school coach you know where you take a you take those boys in the seventh grade and you, you know, they become, no. they're on the seventh grade team, the eighth grade team, the ninth grade team, the JV, the varsity. And you, you see those guys matriculate through your program. And, the, and, 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 of course I'm a high school coach myself. I, I I was a high school basketball coach for 21 years. And um, it, it, I, it's not, it's, I don't think it's right. I have so I'm telling you, I'm going to tell you two things. I'm going to tell you how my personal feelings. And of course, I'm going to tell you what, what, we're having to do mm-hmm. but so I, I think the way to do it is to recruit majority freshmen and bring those guys through your program and as one group of seniors graduate you got a next group coming up and um, if they're exceptional as a freshman or maybe a sophomore they get a chance to play if they're not they buy their time and they work and they get ready till, till their time comes well those days are over with. And I, I, so I'll be the first one to say that that's not the way that I agree with it. But i also be quick to say is that's the way we were trying to do it. And I had to change. And um, because now uh, in, in our society today, when a freshman comes and and he doesn't play, well, of course, the people around him, uh, parents and handlers and everybody else are upset. They don't play. So they're look immediately looking for somewhere else. And they cause uh discord in your in your locker room and then of course if they do at our level if they do really well um, then and of course it doesn't even have, it happens at the bigger levels but at our level if they don't if, if they do and if they come in and they're young and they do really well well you've got uh, people above us that that all they're doing is recruiting rosters you know uh, uh, recruiting off your roster and uh, whether they're in the portal or not and um and so it's very it, – that part of it is discouraging. I, it, it just – it's I – don't, I don't agree with it. But what I do know is that's not the hand that we're dealt. We had to change. And and in our case, it, it we were very fortunate to get some guys uh, that, that were looking for a different opportunity. And so it, it has worked out well for us. And in the foreseeable future, in my opinion – that we have to kind of be like, well, I was a junior college coach as well. I went from high school to junior college to southeast Louisiana, you know, what people would call maybe a low major, and <laughs> then to Southern Miss. And so it reminds me of my time at Jones Junior College where you're basically playing year to year right. because of your, your roster turnover. And, um, and And so that's what we're going to have to do. We recruit throughout each year. We're recruiting all five positions, and we're recruiting at every single outlet there may be. Uh, we, we're recruiting high school players, junior college players. We're going to recruit, of course, Division One transfers, uh, international players, uh, NAI players. It doesn't matter, and uh, so so we're going to have we're going to have two or three priority guys at each uh, each position because one we don't really know who, who will come back on our team. Of course, the ones that we want to come back, right. but secondly. You know, you don't know who's going to leave. I mean, you don't know who's going to leave. But so you don't really know what to uh, I'm sorry, I'm driving in traffic. You don't really know what to plan for. And uh, so anyway, we want to make sure that we have all those positions covered. The only thing I can say is you seem to get a little bit more uh, retention in your program if you take a transfer because he's less likely to transfer for a second time. Uh, of course, because he he would have to sit out and right. he would lose some eligibility. So, I, I hate to say it, what they've done is they've they they've moved the high school player. It's hurting the high school player really bad because they're they're moved that that you know from the high school player now not being able to you know m- maybe being discouraged from from transferring mm-hmm. now to. You're better off with a guy that's in a Division One transfer because he's less likely to transfer now. So um, it kind of moves that year <clears throat> discouragement. You know, we going to sit out one year. So anyway, that's kind of the way we're looking at. It. Don't agree with it, mm-hmm. but it's the hand we're dealt. So we're going to have to embrace it and do the best we can.
1: You mentioned you're the son of a coach, but you also played at Southern Miss under legendary coach M.K. Turk, part of an NAIA team back in 1987. Uh, first N- I, off
2: NIT N- N- I- team uh, NIT championship
1: team yeah NIT championship yes. team yes, yes. sir uh, the first part of this question is you know I, I did the math you are one of 51 men to lead their alma maters at the NCAA division one level Well, what does that mean to be the head coach of your alma mater
2: well I can't um, I cannot in any way overstate it first of all I I happen to be uh, blessed enough to have played there at a an incredible time, uh, Kyle. We were in the old Metro Conference at the time, um, and I don't know. I know you sound young, so uh, you may not remember the old Metro Conference. But the old Metro Conference was one of the best basketball. It was a. It was a every sport league, but football. Our football was independent, and of course, we. Southern Miss has an incredible football tradition, mm-hmm. but. Uh, that was the, the teams in the metro at that time were Memphis, of course they were a national power, uh, Louisville, Florida State, South Carolina, Virginia Tech, Cincinnati, uh, and Tulane. I'm, I, there was eight team leagues, so I don't think I'm missing, leaving anybody out. So, and, and those, of course, you played every one of those teams home and home. It was it was national TV broadcast every week. It was it was very 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 close to the big East at that time, back Mm -hmm. in the eighties. So it was a great league. And, uh, to, to have played during that time and, uh, the success of course, that we had, of course, coach Turk, he's no longer with us, but coach, I I just would do anything for coach to be around. He and I maintained a very, very close relationship, uh, after I graduated. And, uh, he's of course the father of basketball, USM, in my opinion. And anyway, um, to be able to, to lead the program there. And, and, and to be honest with you, I'll kind of take a step back. I One of the things that's pained me the most over the last couple of years, because we have not been very successful in the one loss column was, is my, 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 my guilt, uh, that here I am leading my own program, you know, the program that I love so much and we're struggling and feeling like that. Personally, I've let a lot of people down and, uh, and in any way, and I feel like that uh, where maybe some other coach would just be a tough job, you know, we're, uh, coming off probation, whatever excuse that could be used and they'll just move on. Well, to me, that that's, that that, those are, these are people I grew up in Hattiesburg as well. So, uh, I, you know, these are, I got to face these people every single day, you know, and, uh, you know, and, and people that, I, like I said, that were encouraging me to, and, and encouraging the university to hire me, and all of a sudden I've got the job, and, and, and the turnaround's been a little bit too slow, in my opinion. And uh, so the other side of that is, is we've been – gotten off to a good start, and, and, and there's been so many people now supportive, and it's just it's, – it, it, it makes you feel good. But I, I will be quick to say we got a long way to go, but to be able to, to coach and – uh, if it, it, the school that you love, the program that you love, and you're fortunate to play in, it, I can't over overstate uh, how
1: how grateful I am for that opportunity. I mentioned Coach Turk, and, and you mentioned Coach Turk as well just a few moments ago. I, I'm curious, you know, having spent so much time around him, and you mentioned the close relationship you had up until uh, he passed. How much do you take from? his coaching philosophy, and apply it to how you lead the Southern Miss program?
2: Um, uh, you know, of course, I, one of the things that I was always uh, a lot, uh, there's not a day go by, let me just answer that pretty simply, not, there's not a day goes by that I don't think about coach and miss coach and wish I had coach to bounce things off of like I did when I was coaching at a few other places that I, I was prior to coming to Southern Miss. Uh, that's, that's how much he meant to me personally and, and professionally. One of the things that coach was a promoter and he took over, he took over a program in in 1976 that had not won a game, a single game. They were owing whatever the year before coach took over. And he always told me the story of the athletic director at that time. He, he, he was coming to USM from Memphis. He was an assistant at Memphis and he said the athletic director at that time, Coach Roland Dale, gave Coach Austin the keys after they hired him and said, congratulations, MK, you're the you're the head coach of the worst Division I program in the country. Oh. And uh, so he had nowhere. He, he would tell that story a lot, and he had nowhere to go but up, of course. And uh, the coach was a great promoter of the program, and within just a few years they, had, they were – for playing Holy Cross in 1981, hosted an NIT game there in Hattiesburg, full house. And from about '81 to the mid '90s, you couldn't get a you couldn't get a our arena seats around 8,500. You couldn't get a, a seat in there. It was the it was absolutely the place to be and the thing to do. And he built that. And and for me to as a young a youngster at that time watching that be built. Uh, was incredible. And so he was a great promoter of the program all the time. He also was one, I learned a lot from him, like how he handled the media, how he handled, uh, um, you know, public relations. He was always very uh, positive and complimentary. You never heard him uh, uh, bashing the players. You know, I mean, he took responsibility for all the losses and gave gave credit, you know, to the players when we won. And when, when of course, he had a lot to do. Uh, you know with the winning too but he would never take that and I, I always that was something I always admired um, because sometimes after games like if we lost I, I would know I'd just seen him a few minutes ago and upon leaving the Coliseum you know you turn on the uh, uh, radio and you're listening to him making his post-game comments and he would be he, he may have been firing and brimstone in that locker room but somehow he could control his emotions and when he would walk back down to the floor and do his post-game radio show, he would be – he would seem like he would – I know he would be churning inside because I just heard him 15 minutes earlier, but he seemed to be under control and he, he never let that part uh, – you know, he never let his emotions control and things he said or did that he would regret if that makes sense. So that, that's that been another big lesson. But, but it's – and then as far as basketball-wise, he went from being a real controlled – type coach very very disciplined in my early time at southern miss um and of course i i I wasn't that good a player i played with some really good players but he had and, and then i we had a group of us went to see coach one day and said coach if you'll just let us let us play a little bit if you'll let us play we promise you it'll 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 pay off for you and and we Casey Fisher, Randolph Keys, John White, Derek Hamilton. We went and all saw a Coach, and Coach says, "Okay, I'll make a deal with you. As long as y'all guard and you'll play hard, play defense and play hard, you'll play together and play the right way. We'll un- we'll, we'll basically take the reins off a little bit. We and basically we went we started playing up tempo, and it ended up being a really exciting uh, brand of basketball. Of course, like I said, we had the right kind of guys to do it." And uh, and that was a lesson too, and it was fan pleasing, and um, that's that's that had a little bit to do with our offseason as well. I want us to play a style that the fans like, mm-hmm. and uh, of course you got to win. That's the bottom line. I don't <laughs> care if you win one to nothing, right? right. But uh, if, if if you can play a if you can play a really you know a style that's pleasing to the fans, where you're pressing and you're getting up and down the floor, and, the, and they're sharing the ball and playing basketball the way it was it's designed to be played. Uh, it, it, it's it's uh, it's the fans, the fan, fan friendly, the fans will come back. And, and so we're noticing a great upsurge and excitement in at, at, at our games. And, and the fans are those old Southern Miss basketball fans are starting to come back. So that's been another exciting development.
1: You mentioned the importance of playing defense as of this taping you're you're holding teams to under 60 points per game that's the 17th highest scoring uh, or, or the 17th best scoring defense uh in the country I should say uh, as a head coach w- what makes a good defensive team
2: I I think it starts with your attitude um, I have to give coach Juan Cardona credit too he's our you know Jabara football coaches uh term, our defensive coordinator, so to speak, even though that's not as is a basketball title, but he, he really is the architect of our defense and, and coaches that, you know, basketball offenses have become so, uh, intricate. And, 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 you know, I, I just think it's to have a, 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 coach that's he's spending his entire time on the defensive side of the ball is, and, and there's been several other schools. I'm not the first one to have done that. Um, so, so I have to give coach credit, but it's got to be about the players. And, you know, it, defensively, you got to have a mindset. you got to have a personal pride about yourself uh, that, that you don't want to be scored on. And then you have to have that collective mindset that it's not okay to be scored on. And, uh, and when you can get your – and I don't care what sport it is, Kyle. You look at whatever and at whatever level – Whatever level it is of football, basketball, baseball, you showed me those best baseball teams. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Old Miss won the uh, national championship uh, this year. In fact, because they beat Southern Miss in the, Southern, the regional, yeah. super regional, uh, it, it, it was at the end of the year, it was pitching and defense. They were hard, hard to score against. Had great pitching. Uh, of course, you look at any of the great football teams. Some of those Al- great Alabama teams. Their defense and basketball is the same thing. You can look at all the, the past champions, and I'm telling you, they they play defense at a high level. You're not going to win because offense is so. Uh, your former player, offense is so. You know, you, 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 some nights you're going to have it, some not. But it, that. that the element of the game that's got to be consistent is, is consistent effort defense. So if you can get your players to buy into that mentality and let them understand that this is the most important end we're playing on, if you want to earn playing time, this is non-negotiable, and, and you can, again, get them, get them really bought into that side, and you, you'll be able to be in every game. And uh, that's had a big part, a big reason. In fact, that may be the biggest reason that that we've had some success so far. we just got to continue.
1: You've had a chance uh, to lead the Southern Miss basketball program through conference realignment now, joining the Sun Belt from Conference USA. What excites you the most about being part of the Sun Belt now?
2: Um, Well, I want to context that, too. I I want to say that uh, in my time in Conference USA, I thought Conference USA basketball was, uh, with the makeup it had, that while we were in it, was an incredibly underrated and undermarketed. Uh, aspect of Conference USA. I had just I thought each year that we had two or three teams that were that that shouldn't have been in the NCAA tournament rather than a one bid league. But you really never would have known it because we didn't have any. Our our uh, media um, deal was so bad, and and there was very little exposure, and we didn't just didn't do some things. I think that that would have helped to market the league, like having some inner. Conference USA SEC, you know, matchups or things like that that would have brought attention to it. So, I thought Conference USA, and I still think it is Conference USA men's basketball is really, really good, and it's under under underappreciated and undervalued for some reason. Uh, With that being said, I don't think there's very much of a drop off, if if at any. In, in to the to the Sun Belt and what it you, your question was is what excites me the most, uh, of course about coming to the Sun Belt is it uh, it allows us to now have some regional rivalries that we weren't able to have in Conference USA just due to geography you know over right. time a lot of those original members and Southern Miss was the only original member still left in Conference USA of the original league yeah. you know but we lost Tulane we lost. Memphis, you know, we we all all those schools that we had competed against uh, with and against for so long were no longer there, and then the geography of the league um, w- was was very difficult to to establish that. So I'm excited the fact you know South Alabama, 75 miles away from us, um, uh, Louisiana Lafayette's a little over two hours away from us, uh, Troy. Uh, Louisiana Monroe, we uh, even Arkansas State's not not uh, undoable. So you have a lot of that, and it's already beginning to happen. I've seen it happen in football, where you know there's there's just some of that that old excitement coming because you're familiar with the other teams that you're playing, and you can go watch them play on the road. So that's one of the and and of course I, but the to uh, the national TV package I think is is great for the exposure that that the Sun Belt has. So. We're we're really excited about that, and of course, two of our other conference. and I know by talking to to those Coach D'Antoni and, and Coach Jones at those two schools, they feel the same way. So uh, it's it, it, you know I, I think, and then on a personal level, Kyle, for us coming off of a bad year, the timing we kind of needed a reset, so the timing. Was was good for us, if that makes sense, because it was fresh. It was like we were getting a, we were getting kind of a start over, and uh, so I, I think it, it. All in all, it's been a good move for Southern Miss, even though we haven't played a league game yet.
1: I definitely agree, especially with the regionality aspect you know i love I tell people all the time I love college sports for the passion, the pageantry, the history, the rivalry, and I think the regionality of it as well is what makes college sports so great and so uh, you know I think that really speaks to your point there about having you know some the potential for regional rivalries teams kind of within yep. your geographic footprint
2: no question, and um, as I said, uh, Louisiana Lafayette, South Alabama uh Monroe those schools are right there and uh easy to get to and it's easy for them to get to us so that that's what helped fuel those rivalries
1: I'm looking at a picture here of young Jay Ladner and young Jay Ladner has a really solid head of hair and current Jay Ladner has a pretty solid head of hair too you got any tips for people on how to keep a good set of lettuce up top
2: well well, I, look you haven't seen the top of my head it, 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 that, 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 the, the latest are, are fooling somebody uh, that's for sure so uh, uh, no I, I don't um, un, unfortunately uh, I, I wish I did I would use it myself but um, anyway yeah if you saw if you saw me close Kyle, you'd see I, I've got some I got some holes up there.
1: Well, hey, I'll tell you what, this picture I see of you here on Southern Miss's website, you can't tell that at all from this. So, Coach,
0: it's it's on the back, you know.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Coach, thank you so much for joining the podcast. I really appreciate it. Best of luck as league play gets started, and we will see you down in Pensacola. Yeah, Kyle. Look forward to talking to you. You ever need me, and you, you would like to have me
2: back on, I've, I'd enjoy it. I've enjoyed talking to you. I always like talking to guys that love basketball like you do. You're kind of a nostalgist, I think, and, and I'm I'm the same way. So, love talking basketball, any little. So, anyway, you take care, and I appreciate you having me on.
1: Hey, thank you. You know, you talk about basketball nostalgia. Somebody a couple weeks ago gave me props on Twitter because I invoked George the Iceman Gervin in a basketball That's broadcast bad, I did, I know, and so. Love,
2: love. Love Iceman. I grew, that's that's the air I grew up in. That's what I'm you saying know? right there. I still I still got a I have st- got a magnet on my on my uh, refrigerator right now of the Iceman of uh, they used they had a poster came out back in the back in the in the late seventies. Uh, that had the Iceman it was a Nike poster and it had the Iceman sitting on like a, a seat of ice. Have you ever seen that? I
1: have and it, but Iceman. I love that.
2: You need to look it up, Google it, you'll see it. Google Google like Ice uh, Iceman George Gervin, uh uh, you know, uh Iceman or whatever, and you'll see that what I'm talking about. It's cool. I, I used to have that poster on my wall.
1: I've gotta ha- I have to check that out now. I'm gonna hop on Google yep. as soon as we get off here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Sounds
1: good. As we switch gears to the women's basketball side of the Sun Belt, a quick refresher on how the women's basketball preseason coaches poll shook out Troy, Old Dominion, Louisiana, Southern Miss, Texas State were the top five. Georgia Southern received a first-place vote, picked to finish seventh in the preseason. team like Marshall at 10th, Georgia State 11th, ULM all the way down at 14, out of 14 teams, there have been a handful of teams on the Sunbelt women's side that have started the year very strong. Three eight-win teams right now, ODU, Texas State, and Georgia Southern. James Madison, the only team among Sunbelt women's programs in double-digit wins. The Dukes are 10-2, and no one in the Sunbelt Conference is hotter than JMU. Seven straight victories. Not far behind them, though, is Georgia Southern, eight and one, and they've won six straight—the second longest win streak of any Sun Belt women's team. They're also off to their best start in over forty years, eight and one start to the season for Georgia Southern, and we're pleased now to be joined by their head coach Anita Howard. Thanks, uh, thanks for taking the time. Uh, your team this year, uh, ex- having some good success, third. Highest scoring team in the country. You have a really good scoring defense, 78. What do you want to see your defense improve upon maybe as we move into conference play?
3: Yeah. So something that, you know, the stats probably don't show um, is is our on-ball containment. So we like pressure defense up in your face, up in the gaps. But um, with that, we kind of give up easy line drives. And so that's something the stat sheet is not showing that we, we got to Definitely do better with our on-ball defense. Um, And then with some of our new players, it's just about the rotation. We change defenses a lot. And so it's not just being familiar with one kind of zone or man. It's multiple different types of defenses and junk defenses. So understanding, um, sometimes you have half the players in one defense and have the players in another. And so it's just about understanding the system and what we're trying to do.
1: As the years have gone on, you know, you've seen – Success with your team, you know, it grows and grows and and improvement each season. But this year, uh, best highest winning percentage right now amongst any Sunbelt women's team. Maybe in, in your estimation, what's different, I guess, with this team than maybe teams that you've you've coached in past?
3: Um, just familiarity, right? Is th- this is the first time at any of my um, institutions that I've actually been here for four years. Um, so being able to implement um the culture and the standard that you want. Um, It really this is my first time seeing it as well. So you're able to see um, the familiarity with, you know, the point guard play. She knows what we're looking for. Even with the new players, the returners are able now to set the standard and show what it looks like. It's not just coming from the head coach. And so just being comfortable with the system, um, comfortable with the league. You know, we do have four new teams that join. And so um, the returners understand how competitive the Sun Belt is. And so being familiar with how we have to practice to prepare for that, that competition.
1: You mentioned this is your first time being at a university four years. You've made a couple different stops on your coaching career—head coach, assistant coach. What has this journey been like to get to this point for you?
3: Ah, uh, it's 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 funny you asked that. I just was talking to my husband about it the other day. It's crazy because um, uh, one of our non-division one games we just played was Agnes Scott, and I started out my head coaching job in that conference, the GSEC, um, at a division three school, and so it's crazy how. You know, you've been able to see the the good, the bad and the ugly from all different levels. You know, when I was a Division three coach, I thought it would be so different at Division two. You know, when I was a Division two coach, I thought it'd be different at Division three. But at the end of the day, basketball is basketball. The court is the same. The ball is the same. And so just um, kind of appreciating the journey is almost like. Um, if you're the CEO of your company, you want to have the best janitor, um, cleaning up the hallways. You want to have the best secretary. And so I've literally worked all those jobs and I'm able to kind of have a staff and a team around me where I was able to build it from the ground up. And so, um, it's, it's kind of a surreal moment to say, you know, I'm putting pressure on myself, you know, this year we want to definitely do better than last year. And it's, that's, it's going to be more challenging, but just to kind of see it all kind of come full circle. Um, I've always wanted to be a division one head coach. Um, And now I'm not just a division one head coach. We're looking to be a successful division one head coach.
1: You are a mother as well. And so that's what I guess I'm I'm most curious about is, is what is that like balancing being a D one head coach, but also having three children?
3: Yeah. So when they were a little younger, it was challenging. I'm glad you asked that question because women's basketball, that was a thing back in the day um, where, you know, and, and the NCAA legislation is kind of changing to help women and women and mothers in coaching uh, for that very reason, because, you know, to me, I live my life, God, family, job in that order. And so um, the mother part was a big deal. I think, you know, as an assistant coach, I missed out on a lot. But as a head coach, I'm able to kind of prioritize my family in front of the job. And my players know that my staff know that. And it's something that I also allow them to, to put family ahead of their jobs as well. Um, but my kids are older. They're actually, um, 20, 23 and 25, 21, 23 and 25. Um, and they've played sports. My husband is a college basketball coach now interim AD as well. And so we've been in this athletic business for quite some time. We've got the swing, hang of it, the swing of things, but, um, being able to, to understand and put in perspective what matters most. So coaches can get hired or fired, elevated or terminated. Um, but, Family's going to always be there. And so that's one thing I want my, my, my kids to know that I'm going to always be there for them, no matter what this job asks of me.
1: You mentioned family, and that's a great segue, because I saw in an interview on the Georgia Southern uh, Athletic website, you had said once that your mom is one of your heroes. How crucial was your mom to the success uh, that you have today?
3: Yeah, she she is my number one fan, and she's gonna let everyone know that she gonna be she's gonna be just about every one of our my games. And it's funny because I said, "Mom, you know you don't have to travel with us; you can watch it on ESPN Plus." She's like, "No, I'm gonna be there." And um, it's funny because when I played basketball, she worked a lot, so she missed it. Um, and so it's something that she's instilled with me about how important it is to be there for for your 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 daughter. And so she's here for me, and I go a little bit harder for her. Right. So I'm not playing one minute of the game, but I'm coaching and I know my mom is literally sitting right behind my right, my right shoulder. And she's watching me and I want to make her proud. I want her to be able to say my baby just, you know, beat such and such and such. And so um, I just want to make her proud. And so for her to travel with us and be at every game is, is kind of like um, your angel on your shoulder here on Earth, if that makes sense. My dad passed away and so she's she's the only person I have here. And so I love the support. And so support means a lot to me. The players see it if their parents can't be there. She's kind of like our team mom. Um, and during COVID, we actually had a cardboard cut out of her in the seat because she, you know, wasn't able to come to the games because she's elderly, but she's going to always be there. So family is is big. She taught me how to, to prioritize that. And so hopefully I'm doing a good job for her
1: listen, moms are the unsung heroes of life. Trust me. I get it. My mom, I was, I, I was telling Chad before we went on, my mom lives in Canada. My, both my parents do, but they watch every broadcast. They are there. They come visit all the time. And so I get it. Tr- trust me. My mom is my hero as well. So and yes. when I saw that in the interview, I was like, I've got to ask about that. That's so great. Yeah.
3: So real, a funny story about my mom, we were at Arkansas state and at Arkansas state and we played. And so Um, I had a little heart, like a little panic attack. I don't know, I have asthma. And uh, my mom came out the stands move the paramedics, move the coaching staff. She said, I got this. And she just said, calm down, baby, and breathe. <laughs> so out of all the, the the medical staff and everything, my mom was the one that helped me get back to my normal self.
1: <laughs> that sounds like a very mom story. That sounds like something <laughs> my mom would do too. So I get it. Um, you mentioned earlier, you know, talking about some of the newcomers to the league. Uh, I, I'm curious, what what are you most excited about, about getting to face these four new teams in the Sun Belt?
3: Yeah, so... One of my dreams, I definitely want to go dance in an NCAA tournament at the Division One level. I did it at Division Three and Division II. Um, and I know that to beat the elite, you have to compete against the elite. And so the four teams that came into our conference are definitely powerhouse women's basketball league programs. And so I think they're going to challenge us in a different way. But, uh, before they joined, of course, Troy, Louisiana, Texas State were, we're at the top of our leagues now. You know, you have Old Dominion, you have James Madison, and so they they have different styles of play. And so if we can get out of the conference play or be challenged within conference with different styles of play, um, if we make it to the NCAA tournament, I think the Sunbelt would definitely help us prepare for that.
1: There's been so much talk lately about elevating the sport of women's basketball. We see how much attention the men's side gets, but there are have been conversations. I think Indiana's head coach Terry Morin even, you know, commented on during the NCAA tournament a couple of years ago about the disparity in coverage, the disparity in in the things afforded to the women's game. In yeah. your opinion, what are some ways we can continue to grow the women's game?
3: Um, we definitely got to speak about it. So I, I think, you know, they they've done a, a great job of just getting getting information out there to the people so that you can kind of put the spotlight on it. Um, and but it's recognizing that we are doing the job. You know, uh, you know, we had several men that met help head, excuse me, head men's coaches coaching women's basketball. And now um, athletic directors and presidents are realizing that, you know, women are getting the job done. It's all it's all about seeing someone who looks like you. And so although I was coached by several male coaches um, growing up. It's different when you, I've played the bass. I've played, I've coached. And so now my players understand that what I'm asking of them is not something that a man is asking where he's like, well, you're faster, and quicker. No, I'm the same. I did I'm, whatever I'm asking you to do. I did it. Um, but it's also just um, pushing the bar. Right. To say, hey, you know, we do deserve just a, a, the same salaries. We are you know, putting a great product on the floor. Um, But it's also making sure that we're prepared. So we're asking for these things, you know, we have to get the job done. And I think um, the WBCA does a good job of putting on conventions to help, you know, grow the coaches outside of the game, um, you know, and different things like that. And so I think as long as we're putting it out there, talking about it, making sure that eyes are on it, we're going to we're going to elevate it. We're going to push it. And, and you do have some of the men coaches, even the pro male coaches, coaches and teams are talking about how women's sports should be kind of equal opportunity. And I think it's only right. But, you know, we're dealing with that in the world today. You know, equality across the board is kind of lopsided. And so, um, you know, I'm a woman, but I'm also a woman of color. And so that's a different challenge in itself. But, you know, you got to be prepared for your opportunity. But we just need more opportunities to show that we can get it done.
1: Well, that's a great segue into my next question, because you are the, the first uh, female African-American head coach at Georgia Southern in, in the program history. Uh, I'm curious, what does that mean to you when you when you hear that said, what does that mean to you to be that that first?
3: It's kind of twofold. It is it's sad that it's sad that that is the case, but I'm also honored that that is the case because um, our AD took a chance on not just a woman of color, but a Division II woman of color. So I, he lifted me and elevated me from the Division II ranks. Um, and that's not heard of as, as often as you think. Um, but I, I was the first African-American coach at Salem College Division III. I was the first African-American coach at Columbus State University in Columbus, Georgia for Division II. And so I there's a lot of things that I've learned in those two stops to help me for this stop. Um, it's not necessarily about the colors. This kind of goes back to what I said. It's just about doing the job, no matter what my skin, my skin color is, my gender is, I can get this job done and I've shown that. And so um, I'm honored to be the first African-American female coach here, but to me it's, I, the color doesn't matter to me, you know, but I, I know that I can't mess it up because whether I, you know, leave for another job or pass away or anything and I'm not here, I want them to know that you can bring in another woman of color um, and they can get the job done as well.
1: You were a former player yourself. Uh, You were SIAC defensive player of the year, according to your bio at Fort Valley state, whenever your players act up in practice, do you, do you threaten to like give them buckets? Are you like, listen, I, I, listen, I was a walking bucket back in the day. Don't, don't, don't come this way.
3: Well, no, no, I was a walking defensive stopper. So I, (laughs) it's funny because you know, I'm 40 something. Right. And so when I get out there and, and, my coaches know when we do any defensive drill. sometimes I can go over the time that we have for that drill because I, I'm very passionate about defense. But if they're not getting it done, I get out there and show them. Like, this is what I want it to look like. And so then one year, the coaching staff played the players. And so um, I told them they can't foul me because it'll be our ball. But, you know, you got to play through the fouls if we're fouling you. And so I got a few steals. And so they are like, okay, coach. So um, it goes back to what I said. I'm not asking them to do anything that I can't do or wouldn't do. And so, um, at Columbus State, we were number one in the nation for our our defense. And so that's where I would love to bring Georgia Southern women's basketball. If we can finish this year being number one in the nation for a defensive category, that that will be my ultimate goal. And so I want them to be as passionate about defense as they are with offense. And so me being the defensive player of the year kind of just goes to show them that listen, you can listen to me because I kind of know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm.
1: Earlier, we talked about unsung heroes. I think the unsung hero of basketball programs are directors of ops, DOBOs. Uh, For those that don't know, DOBO is director of basketball operations. But I saw on the Georgia Southern uh, Twitter account, it was uh, DOBOs, National DOBO Day, and you celebrated your director of ops. How important is the director of ops? And, And what can you say about your all's director of ops?
3: Well, first, um, it was National dobo Day, and it's funny because they are the unsung heroes next, right next to moms. Yes, so moms yes. and Dobos are, are, are right coincided with each other, but they're the glue. And really, realistically speaking, they probably should be paid more than the coaches. I know my staff is gonna hate that, but they do everything for everyone and with throughout different departments, not just women's basketball. They're the liaison liaison for everything our director of basketball ops, we actually tried to get her a few years back. She was on the men's side um, and wasn't able to do that. And then when it came available again, we was able to bring her in and she is the best dobo that I think I've ever had as a player, as a coach, whatever level. Um, I hope I'm able to keep her. She's that good. Uh, but Michelle McLeod, so um, she she's the glue, you know, she does the normal stuff that a, an operation person does, but I mean the little stuff. So they remind you, hey, it's Father's Day. You might want to send, you know, your father something. Hey, you got a meeting here. Here's a notepad and a pen. Like the stuff that she just is always on point, on time. She knows I like room temperature water, you know, <laughs> the little stuff that she pays attention to. And it's not just for me, it's for my staff, it's for the players. Um, And she gets it done in a timely ma- manner. And so, in the world of athletics, when everything is kind of going, 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 and she's a calming factor to say, hey, you got that done. Don't worry about it. I have this. And so she we could not be successful without someone like her.
1: You're so right. I, I've I've had a chance to get to know a couple dobos at different schools throughout the years, and I just see how crucial they are. I, I don't think people really understand exactly what it is they do, but they are. I mean, they are like the brains of the operation. Essentially, they make everything go the right way. Um, for for those that have never been to Statesboro, that might be listening to this, what would you say is maybe the the hidden gem of your city?
3: First of all, you can't really see it. You got to feel it. But the traditions here are crazy. This is a true college town. I always tell our recruits, you hit a big shot and go to Walmart or, or to a restaurant, they're going to know your name. You miss a big shot, you go to Walmart or a restaurant, they're they're going to know your name. Um, but they really care about Eagle Nation, the athletes, they really care about it. And so the, it's a feel. Um, you know, you talk about a, a college environment, you want to have that experience, you get that experience here. The food, I have gained so much weight here because the food is off the chain and it's not your typical uh, chain restaurants. We have those here, but I don't know if I can say it, Chad, but we have some good only only Statesboro type of restaurants and food that you can you can get here. So you come down here, you're going to eat good. Um, and then, of course, our, our athletic department, we, you know, hired a new athletic dr- director recently, Jared Benko, and he has come in here and kind of just revived and changed everything. So it's not just um, women's basketball that is thriving. You talk about our football team, we're going bowling, you know, um, you talk about our baseball team, we hosted a region, you talk about our cheer squad who won a national championship. So our golf team, our golfers, in the, 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 the masters getting this national attention. And so it's a great feeling. It's a, it's a great feeling. And so you kind of have to be here to experience it, but I know Georgia Southern's name is going to be nationally known in, in different ways. And so I'm glad to be a part of that.
1: My college roommate was from the state of Georgia, and I have to tell you, the food—you're absolutely right. I, I mean, it is. I've myself—I've never been to Statesboro, so I'm, I'll take your word for everything else you said, but I can attest to the food in the state of Georgia. It is delicious. Okay.
3: Look at look at this fat. Look at no, this. oh no no. no.
1: <laughs> I I do the vegan thing now, so of course it's it, it taunts me. I. You know, I'm, I'm like, now that I get, the older I get, the more things disagree with my stomach. So I had to do yeah. the, the whole plan. Yeah, washing. I
3: agree with that. Now I can't eat like I want to, but <laughs> the smells in in, in Statesboro, they might change your vegan. They might change you.
1: I might have to come to Statesboro then. That I okay. mean, it sounds like I've got to come down to Statesboro. Well, Coach, yeah, you,
3: you got to come check us yeah. out.
1: <laughs> Coach, I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much. We'll catch up soon and, and best of luck as conference play gets started. Thank you, Jake. Well, this has been a really fun episode. It's been great to hear from Coach Ladner and Coach Howard as well as Brian Ralph. Before we go, though, it's important to just go ahead and get it out there. I'm a huge stat nerd. I've already referenced KenPalm.com once, so I'm going to wrap this show up in the best way I know how with analytics. HerHoopStats.com for all you broadcasters, college basketball fans, college basketball writers. If you cover the women's side, HerHoopStats, You have to have it. It is fantastic. It's herhoopstats.com. We're going to wrap this show up with the Her Hoop Stats stat of the pod, and it goes to James Madison, the Dukes. Did you know that JMU currently has the 12th best defensive rebounding rate of any team in the nation? The Dukes are pulling down defensive rebounds on 76.4% of rebounding attempts. Going to stuff an extra stat in there. They actually have the 19th highest total rebound rate. They grab a rebound, offensive or defensive, on 57.1% of rebounding attempts. Shout out to JMU. Winning the battle of the boards broadcasters, coaches all across the country talk about the importance of being on the plus side in the rebounding category and JMU Show, and they do it just as good, if not better than anybody else in the country. Well, hey, thanks everyone for tuning in to this pilot episode of the Under the Sun podcast. I've been Jake Griffith. Really appreciate you tuning in. Let us know on Twitter. You can tweet at me, at Griff. Let me know who you want to hear from, whether it's a coach, whether it's a player, whether it's a former Sun Belt player. It doesn't have to be a team that is currently in the Sunbelt, someone that maybe you were a fan of back in the day. But let me know. Take a listen to the podcast, and we hope you enjoyed it. We'll see you next time around.
2: Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Under the Sun.